Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. And hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year survivor. We're the co-founders of Breast Friends, and we have an incredible and very sexy show for you today. (laughs) So we're really glad you're here. (laughs) Today's show is about a kind of an unexpected side effect of breast cancer treatment, early menopause. And which, of course, can lead to a loss of intimacy. And, you know, this is a subject that's near and dear to many of us, and yet nobody's talking to us about it. Well, that is nobody except our guest today. So today we're <laughs> going to talk about some of the aspects of intimacy and sexuality, and our guest is going to offer some solutions to these challenges. So our guest today is uh, Barbara M- um, Musser, right? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Musser. Musser. Excuse me. Excuse me. I, I needed to put a little doodad over the U, I guess. Um, author and founder of Sexy After Cancer. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you for being with us. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. And, um, you know, as we were talking just before we went on the air, this is a topic that isn't talked about enough. And fortunately... I get to talk about it, and I like to talk about it, and I know a lot about it because I'm a 27-year breast cancer survivor oh, myself. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> and you were young when you were diagnosed, right? I was. I was 37. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit young to be thinking about giving up on all these other things in life that make life so special. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so 27 me. years ago, wow, that, and, and I know I was diagnosed 22 years ago, and when I had my very first chemo, it threw me immediately into menopause, and that was not even really discussed back then, so I'm yeah. sure you probably had a similar si- situation. Well, I actually did not have chemo, so. Oh, you uh, didn't? Okay, well, well that's good. <laughs> lucky me, but, you know, <laughs> have talked with so many people who have, and yes, it, it happens really fast and surprisingly and unexpectedly so many women don't know it's coming yeah for sure and then of course tamoxifen and other types of uh anti-estrogen drugs of course keep you in that state and boy oh boy i know i had hot flashes i think for 11 12 years (laughs) no fun no fun yeah i just install a fan over my bed because (laughs) when i was starting to get those hot flashes in the middle of the night it's like oh my gosh this is not gonna fly so right so yeah it's it's really quite shocking actually so yeah. So, Barbara, so, tell us any more about your story. What 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 brought you to this place where you wanted to do this thing? Tell tell us about how you went from one to the other. Okay. Well, um, like we were just talking, I was young when I was diagnosed, and I um, like everybody who hears those shocking words. You know, there's life goes sideways in that moment, and yeah. and um, I went into damaged goods land. You know, because I was single, and I thought, oh, nobody's oh, ever going to want to be with me, and I was thinking that my love life was going to be over, and I thought, oh, I'm too young for that. And I got (laughs) mad, and so I decided that I needed to find some resources, and there were not very many resources around 27 years ago, and there still aren't a whole lot of resources around. So I 
started discovering workshops, psychotherapy, stuff like that. And I had to adapt it for the breast cancer um, situation I was in. And um, I dug deep inside for resources that I hoped I had in terms of my courage and my strength and what it would take for me to start feeling sexy and attractive again. And Mm -hmm. I did get my mojo back, as I like to call it. (laughs) You got a really cute haircut, too. Oh, thank you. you. And so I I actually met somebody while I was in treatment. Oh, wow. And fell in love. Good. And um, and we got married a couple years later, and I had a baby after oh, breast cancer. Wow. She's now 23. Wow. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So there yeah. is life after breast cancer. Woo-hoo. Well, yeah. And <laughs> what happened was I was supporting so many friends with breast cancer and way too many. And, um, and then how I got into doing this work I'm doing now is about seven years ago, a very dear friend of mine got a second diagnosis. And... It's more complicated second time around. And I was compelled to go with her to all of her medical appointments and hold her hand and take notes and help her figure out the information she was finding out. And we meditated together and had lots of conversations. We spent a lot of time together. And when I was driving her to the hospital for her mastectomy, she turned to me and said, you know, I think this is your work. And then oh, wow. all <laughs> these threads came together of all this stuff I'd been doing. And so... Isn't that I sh- wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like you're a born breast friend, actually, but, you know. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so then what did you do? You just, how, how did you then transition into doing this? I mean, that, that's pretty exciting. Well, um, one of the resources I had found on my own personal journey was a series of workshops called Love, Intimacy, and Sexuality. And um, those workshops were a huge, huge help to me, and their weekend experiential transformational workshops and I became a facilitator of those workshops so I was traveling all over the world leading workshops about intimacy and sexuality and I became a sex educator because I was so interested in it and so so I brought all of that into what I was what I was doing and I wrote a book and my vision was to do weekend retreats for uh, women with breast cancer and then other retreats for couples and to talk about all of this and so I I just kind of transitioned things I had been doing into that and and of course you know when you're when you're an entrepreneur you wear all the hats so I had to learn a lot about websites and you know speaking oh, all of it and yeah. all of that all of that kind of stuff yeah. but but what's happened in that time is I've become the subject matter expert about cancer and sexuality and and I speak at a lot of conferences and I love doing that because that's a really great way to to spread the word to as many people who can benefit as possible like for example last month I was at the uh, young survival coalition summit in Atlanta there were 650 women there who'd been diagnosed wow. with breast cancer under the age of 40 Wow. Isn't that just amazing? And I remember that's actually where I saw you the first time was in the Young Survivor Coalition's um, conference a few years ago in, I think, Seattle. Right. When they were doing it together with uh, Living Beyond Breast Cancer. Yes. Yes. So, yes, that's exactly. And I remember hearing you speak um, at one of the breakout sessions. It was great. It was really, Mm -hmm. really um, interesting and 
and so long overdue. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, so first of all, I like to talk about sex, as you know. And, and secondly, because I'm also a survivor, I know what it's like. Exactly. And so, I, so it's very different than a clinician talking about things that happen. Because I well, have, I'm yeah. solutions oriented. I, you know, I want to help people figure out what to do. Yeah, for, don't just tell sure. us it's going to be a problem, but actually find a solution for it. That's right. great. Right. And that's actually why we have you on our show today, because <laughs> we know a lot of women have this problem. They already know they have it. They probably even know kind of why, but what do you do about it? Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of husbands that are appreciating this conversation, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Right. So, so I know you, you didn't have chemo yourself, but let's talk a little bit about the effects of chemo and how and why it does actually cause a reduction in our libido. Okay. Um, so chemotherapy and hormonal therapy drugs are designed to not only keep cancer cells at bay, but to suppress hormone production. Right. Because so many cancers are hormone sensitive. Mm-hmm. And estrogen has a whole lot to do with libido because of how it facilitates blood flow to vaginal tissue. Oh. So, so when estrogen goes away, the blood flow doesn't happen so easily. And that reduces lubrication and libido and the urge to be sexual. And mm-hmm. that's why it's really important to have blood vessels be open and fill with blood because that restores the skin cell turnover function. So it's all about skin health and blood flow. Um, so turnover of skin and expanded blood vessels, that um, mimics the effect of uh, skin cell growth and renewal, which is what estrogen does. And it also removes toxins through old cells and encourages the growth of new cells. So, so um, that's the name of the game. Okay. Is All right. figuring so- out how to get the blood flowing again. How to how to get that now? Now, obviously, the brain is probably the biggest sex organ, right? They, that's what I keep hearing, mm-hmm. and um, and so getting the brain and your um, intimate parts to work together is, of course, an important piece of this puzzle, right? <laughs> well, that's I, right. That's I right. think we're going to talk about that in the second half, so we can oh. warn the the parents to put their kids to, down for a nap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, might be a no. good idea. This one might go a little, you know, wherever. But yeah, <laughs> but I think that's huge, really. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Well, it the really point is. is, there's a lot more to it than just what the biology of it is. Yeah. But, exactly. the, but, the, but the biology is a big part. Yeah, okay. for sure, for sure. And then, of course, there's also the our bodies, you know, and what we go through. And you know, the breasts are a very sensual part of our bodies, and for many of us, that is what drives a lot of this. And then when you lose them or you have, you know, radiation and it numbs them to the point where you can't feel anything there anymore, that kind of adds to the problem, I think, because I don't know what, do you have any, any information about that? How we can overcome that part of all of this? Oh yeah, I do. And it's, you know, this was the thing for me about what, why I went into damaged goods land, you know, because, because we live in a culture that is so focused on breasts. I mean, when you look at advertising, um, for example, that, you know, breasts are, and are equated with sex and sex cells. And so, so there's this image of how we're supposed to look. And none of us really look that way anyway. But, right. but after... <laughs> But after our breasts are changed around or removed, um, you know, it's, it's even worse. We, we know there's no hope of, of really measuring up. And, 
so then the loss of sensation is another big one. I mean, I was talking to a woman just the other day who said that her husband won't even look at her or touch her mm. because he knows her breasts even reconstructed aren't real. And so there's a way that we have to we have to get over this um this mindset that um that our breasts are a big part of our sexuality and because they have been, but they're different now. And so there's things I think that for a woman to do or a man who has breast cancer to understand and accept and um, make peace with their body as it is now. There's some mm-hmm. inner work, inner work to do with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there's, there's some practices that I recommend to most people that are, that are mirror practices. And um, quite simply what you do is you, you spend five minutes a day for 30 days looking at yourself in a mirror and saying things like, I love you and you're beautiful. And you start with looking just at your face and then, then you can do full length mirror with an outfit on that you really like. And then finally naked. Um, and the reason for doing it over time like that is because of the neuroplasticity of the brain that we now know that, um, we can create new neural pathways and that it takes some time and repetition. And so when we start to connect with ourselves and say those messages, what we're doing is literally creating new neural pathways and it does work over time. And the reason, the reason, yeah. And the reason to start there is because until we accept our own bodies, nobody's going to, and we won't believe anything that they say. So true. Oh my gosh. I mean, so many husbands are like set up to fail in this situation because they're trying so hard to tell their wives they love them and it doesn't matter and they look great anyway and and the wife is just not accepting it they you know we're just not able to like take that all those wonderful things in and that's that's a shame um but i think we've all kind of been there well that's Um, right because we literally can't hear it because we don't have a belief around that so so what these mirror practices do is help you to create new beliefs yeah you know that's, okay, I like that. It's important and it works. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's whether you have just scars or you have completely no breasts, you have mm-hmm. reconstruction. I mean, that can work with anybody who has been dealing with any of these types of physical changes that our bodies have gone through. And honestly, you know, even as we age, I think this would be a really good practice just for accepting our bodies as we age because we, we laugh at breast friends and talk about, you know, 42 longs instead of <laughs> how they used to be, right? Um, <laughs> I call those fog lights. <laughs> they used to be headlights, now they're fog lights. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, we all have... Um, I think body image uh, issues anyway, just as we grow, you know, we're not as thin as we used to be. We're not as fit as we used to be, perhaps, Um, uh, you know, and and things just don't look the same. We've got spots and bumps and things that we never had before. So (laughs) that's a definite problem. Well, yeah. And let's face it. I mean, even before cancer, most of us didn't like our bodies. Exactly. Exactly. So So cancer just adds that. Uh, to it. That's right. That's right. And I do this practice regularly. Oh, I don't do it. You. I don't do it every day now, but at least once a year, I'll take it on for 30 days because of what you're just talking about. You know, yeah. I, I have, I have um, eight spots on my hands now. And I know 
it. You know, it's so funny, though, because I was having a manicure the other day, and the manicure said she has a client who says every spot reminds her of a good time she had in the sun. Oh, I love that. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's a good way of taking a not-so-good thing to a better place. (laughs) Shift the mindset, right. And that's a really powerful tool. That's great. I love that. I love that idea. Well, let's talk back about lumpectomy versus mastectomy because I know I have patients all the time who, you know, are really concerned uh, about, of course, the cancer coming back. And and so they immediately want to go, let's just go for a double mastectomy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. (laughs) Because if their breasts are an erogenous zone for them, that is a problem. And, and, and so if you can maybe, you know, reduce that problem just a little bit and, and a mastectomy and radiation um, has a, a just about the exact same uh, survival rate as a mastectomy does. And so, again, dealing with the mindset of, okay, um, how do you deal with all of this fear and everything that goes along with it, too? So um, how do you talk about that? Well, I think it's a very personal decision. Oh, uh, absolutely it is. And, you know, I've, I've talked to him. It just seems like lately there is this trend to bilateral mastectomies. Yeah, and, just get and, rid of them. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that's a tough choice. But, but sometimes it is the best choice for some women. And so... Um, I'm getting a message here that we we need to take a break. Did you get that message? We yep, do, we're, but I we're... but I just told him to follow us out, which means you can oh. finish this, this oh, okay. content okay, quickly, good. though. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Um, but we'll, we can pick it up on the other side of the break too. This is very interesting. Yeah, let's so. do that because I have a little more to say than just okay. a. Okay, good. Well, great. And, and, you know, I had a lumpectomy the first time around, too, and with radiation. And, you know, sadly, it kind of impacts the sensations there, too. So it's not always, you know, do the lumpectomy versus the mastectomy for that reason, because that that has an impact to your radiation kind of changes everything. So um, so we are going to go ahead and take a break and because there's a whole lot more to talk about on this topic. So we will be back on the other side. Um, We do want to let everyone know that this topic is going to get a little more detailed here. So seriously, if you have children in the room, you might want to go have them play with some Play-Doh or something and join us back. But please think about calling us at 866-472-5792 with your questions, comments, concerns, anything. And we'll be back to you in just a few, few minutes. Thanks. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. 
be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about the impact of um, of uh, our cancer on our sexuality with Barbara Musser, author and founder of Sexy After Cancer. And after, as we mentioned before the break, this is um, kind of sensitive <laughs> material. So, you know, if the kids are around, you might want to have them do something else. <laughs> so welcome back, um, Barbara. We wanted to kind of pick up where we were leaving off there about the lumpectomy versus mastectomy thing. And I think what Becky said is absolutely true. You know, the radiation definitely has some impact on that breast, but it does seem like um, there's this wave of, of, well, let's just get rid of them both. And I guess that's where I was going. You know, that's kind of a hasty, um, hasty thing to do just in case it comes back or just in case it um, you have a new primary in the other breast. Mm-hmm. So that's that was my thinking. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as we were saying, you know, it's such an individual choice. And, um, you know, I, I, this whole thing with the BRCA too, and, and the, the, the public publicity that Angelina Jolie got, you know, a few right. years ago, I think that uh-huh. has a big impact on that too. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get, I get it because I went through, uh, four scares, and so four years after my original mastectomy, I went ahead and had a prophylactic mastectomy. So I don't take this subject lightly at all because, mm-hmm. again, that anxiety and that concern that something else is going on is is real. And if you don't deal with that anxiety or that fear very well, then then maybe the double mastectomy is a good choice. And, again, that wasn't a choice I had to make uh, 22 years ago, but now it does seem to be that it is a pretty common um, option for people. So, yeah, right. and I just want to jump in here real quick because you know I did the lumpectomy the first time, and then eight years later I was diagnosed on the other side, and that's when I said, you know, just take them both off. So the decision to remove them from the beginning for some people far outweighs, you know, the the health benefit far outweighs. Of course, you know, the, the sex issue at you know at least at that time, and maybe you know depending on their age and that that kind of thing. But it's all they're all things to be considered. And I don't remember any of my medical team talking to me about that choice yeah, and exactly. the impact that it might have. Right. And, and the the sad thing is, Barbara, and this happens to people too. Even after my double mastectomy, five years later, we found cancer again right. behind my breastbone near my chest wall. So I did it to never have to deal with it again, and here I ended up dealing with it again anyway. So, yeah. you know, there are no hard and fast rules about this, but but it, it is a big decision, and I don't want to downplay anybody's choice in that at all. But But if you're young and like you were, you know, at your age, and we were all young when we were first diagnosed, 
it is it is a factor, and it's something to at least pay some attention to before you make your final decision on what you want to do. Yeah, well, right, and and there's a lot of aspects to it. It's not only that fear aspect, you mm-hmm. know, and and the the benefits of that, but but it's it, it's emotional, and then there may be this loss of pleasure and sensation that we were yeah. talking about, and then our thoughts about, well, am I still a woman? Exactly. If I, I don't have yeah. my breasts, mm-hmm. and what is it that makes me beautiful and desirable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sexy? So there again is another opportunity to do some inner work, and yeah. it's it's a place and a time when we can redefine beauty and sexy on our own terms. Yeah, exactly. And, and free ourselves from these cultural norms, yeah. um, but it takes some work to do that. It, it, really it sure does. does. And, you know, we talked, we talked on the subject just briefly about husbands or partners. And, you know, I think they play such a key role in this for us because, you know, you were talking about having a husband who tells you how beautiful you are and how sexy you still are regardless of all that, but then behaves differently. Right. You know, they're saying the right things, but they're not doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a real hit to our psyche when it's like, okay, you say that, but then you're looking at all these, you know, magazines with you know, big chested women in them. And that, how do I compete with that? You know, it's right. kind of a hard thing. I have to tell you a really kind of funny little story. When I had my lumpectomy the first time out, I had, I was rather large endowed at the time. So I had what, you know, you heard me refer to a fog light. I had a perky little headlight now after my lumpectomy and a big old fog light, you know, hanging down. And I thought about having breast uh, reduction on my left side to make them both even. And my husband talked me out of it. And I said, well, why wouldn't you want me to? And he says, because I kind of like it. And I said, why? And he says, it's kind of like being with two women. (laughs) (laughs) And what I loved about that is that he really, I mean, he'd been saying those things to me and saying all the right things. And then he said that, and it just warmed my heart. And when I travel around and speak, I always share that story because I think it's good for the men to hear for one thing. But I think it helps women see that they can still be beautiful. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it's not how they hang or how they look. It's, there's a lot of things that can go into that. So. <laughs> yeah. so I wanted to share that story. I thought it was kind of a fun one. But. <laughs> it is a fun one. Oh, my goodness. So let's, let's kind of get back to how do we get our sexy back? Okay, so we've gone through all of this crazy treatment and, and uh, surgeries. We have scars, all this stuff. How do we get it back? Right. Well, that is the $64,000 question. Isn't it? <laughs> it really is, as, isn't it? Yeah. And as we've been talking about, there's a lot of aspects to femininity. Mm-hmm. And there's also multiple aspects to feeling sexy. So hormones are not the whole story. And body image and self-esteem have a big impact. Physical changes, whether it's weight loss or weight gain or fatigue, pain, missing altered body parts, all of that can have us end up thinking that we're broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And what I want to say is you're not broken. You are not yeah. broken. The equipment that you have, if you want to call it, think of our body as equipment, is different. And it's important to get to know how it operates now and how we feel about it now. So it's all about learning new ways to operate. And so, you know, a few things to consider are, I think a, a really important place to start is with your feelings, mm-hmm. all of them. 
and they come at different times. And so it's important to let yourself cry or yell or rage or whatever it is that you're feeling because when you're stuck in feelings or the feelings are stuck in you, we need to move them. Mm, And there's mm, lots of ways to do that. There are different emotional processing and release techniques you can do. So, for example, I have had many a time when I put a big bed pillow over my face and yelled because (laughs) I didn't want the neighbors to hear. Right, right. (laughs) I want my boobs back. (laughs) Right, right. Or get a wiffle ball bat and (laughs) pile of pillows, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Because when the energy's stuck, the energy's stuck, and, and you yeah. get stuck there. So, so feel those feelings. And then um, the next one is making peace with your body now. And we talked about mm-hmm. that with the mirror, mirror practices. And then I think it's really important to understand um, sexual anatomy and function. Mm-hmm. And that there's a lot more to be experienced than penetration and intercourse. But that's where we go. And right. So, um, because that's what we're trained. I mean, if you stop and think about how you learned about sex, mm-hmm. it was probably not very much that you were told. And um, there probably wasn't anything in there about pleasure. Yeah. And so lots funny, of remember, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I sex ed, and they don't talk about that. Yeah, you're right. Right. It's, it's just about, about repro- the physical about, thing. Right. It's about reproduction and, mm-hmm. um, and nowadays, you know, safer sex because there's so many sexually transmitted conditions mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing about pleasure. And then depending on, on what your family was like, there might have been a lot of... Sh- Oops. Did we lose you? Oops. There you go. No, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Like I was told when I was 16 and my parents caught me making out on the couch with my boyfriend, <laughs> you're a slut. Oh. <gasps> no. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. And so uh, I'm not unique, and I don't think, in receiving shaming messages about my sexuality. No, no. So, um, so I think it's important to understand that, and I think this is an opportunity to learn, which is great. And um, it opens up a whole horizon of other possibilities. And, and so the first thing is to get to know what feels good to you now. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, if you do either of you play a musical instrument or did you ever? I play, I I play bongos did. and tambourine, just not <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I like to sing too, but, you know, I'm okay. not a good multitasker. <laughs> right. But I, so I played piano, but I remember mm-hmm. when I was learning how to play the piano, first you have to learn the notes and mm-hmm. then you have to learn scales and chords and you mm-hmm. practice and there's a lot of repetition there before you get to even playing a song right and so if you think of your body as an instrument it's important now that the instrument has changed to get to know your own body and what it is that feels good where are the places that you have sensation where are the places that it's numb where are the places mm-hmm. that because maybe of scar tissue or peripheral neuropathy it doesn't feel good you know all of that it's important to know all of that and especially the areas that that do feel good and so you get to know that and you're learning how to play your instrument and then you learn what kind of touch you like whether you like like um, light fingernails or if you like gentle pats or if you like more firm kind of massage you know there's lots of different ways of experiencing touch but to get to know what feels good 
And so you're learning how to play your instrument. And the reason for that is that um, then you can communicate with your partner if you have a partner. Mm-hmm. I love that analogy. I do because there, you know, we all there's other places on your body. I mean, having you know your somebody scratch your back just lightly that that's exciting, and and nuzzling on your neck and your ears. There's all kinds of places on your body that can be very sensual, and I've never thought of it in terms of learning to play the instrument. I, I right. love that. I right. love that analogy. That's great. Right. Okay. More. Give us more. Okay. Well, <laughs> I like this. More, a little bit more about that is that. It's most of us are taught that sex is something we do with another person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the truth is we are our primary and our best lover. And one, until we know how to play our instrument and do solos, it's harder to do duets. <laughs> Sorry, that hit me funny. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. How to play a solo. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then there's, there's some really interesting new research that's out. There's a woman named Emily Nagoski who teaches at uh, Smith University in Massachusetts. And she um, has just written a book called Come As You Are. And one of the things that she talks about in this book is that we all have accelerators and brakes related to our sexuality. So accelerators are the things that have us open up, that have us feel turned on, excited, um, interested, that kind of thing. And the breaks are the things that have us shut down. And so we've all got lots of them. But, but here's the thing. Breast cancer is full of breaks, mm-hmm. right? It's the body image. It's fear of pain. It's lack of libido. It's not lubricating like we did before. It might mm-hmm. be being single and not knowing how to date or how to talk with a potential sex partner. All these ways that we put on the breaks. And when the breaks are on, um, and even if the accelerator is on at the same time, it's not a pretty picture, right? right and right. so it's important to get to understand what our own accelerators and brakes are and then discover ways to let up on the brakes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. things like non-sexual touching, kissing, communication, education, discovering your pleasure places, so that you gradually get to learn, okay, I've got the brakes on here, how do I let up on the brakes? Just a little bit, just a little bit at a time, right? Okay, okay, that makes sense, because as you're talking about all of this, my vulnerability goes, (laughs) you know, I get a little (laughs) anxious, because Again, having these conversations are hard, especially if you've been um, either without um, a sexual partner for a long time or or you've kind of had the brakes on a long time or whatever. Um, and so to kind of open up that conversation again yeah, and, and, oh, my gosh, yeah, it's, it feels very scary to me, very vulnerable, uh, putting myself in a very vulnerable place. So talk about that a little bit, would you? Yes. Um, uh, Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I think it's very related to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about how we learned about sex. Yeah, so So, much. So, I mean, not to sound crude, but we're ignorant in, in in so many ways. And it's simply because we haven't been educated. We haven't been educated about how our body really works. We haven't been educated about pleasure. And we certainly don't know the language of sexuality and so that of course makes it very difficult to communicate so so that's why i think it's really important first 
to get to know yourself and to understand that. Because if you're going to start out, uh, if you're in a relationship, um, if you're going to just start out with jumping in and having your partner say, well, let's get to know how it is now, that is risky. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds risky. <laughs> not, not only because you don't know, but because they don't know either. And they don't want to hurt you. They don't want to cause you pain. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. So it's really great to start off with yourself. And, I mean, you can do things like draw a hot bath, put in some, some bubbles or some scented oil or something, and just start to touch yourself mm-hmm. and understand what feels good and where the pleasure points are and, and that, there's, that it's a good thing to do, that it's pleasurable, that there's nothing Nothing bad about that. Nothing shameful. Or you can think about it. At, you can think about it as research if you have a more scientific mind. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> do some experiments here and see. Plus, <laughs> honey, I'm just researching. No problem. <laughs> I have a new topic <laughs> to research. <laughs> you know, and then there's also. I mean, there, there's there's toys. I mean, you know, there's there's organization like pure romance is a really um, good group of women to talk to about some of the stuff because they have lotions and gels and toys and things that are completely respectable. And, you know, I know it can be very embarrassing to talk about those things, but, you know, some of that stuff can help too. I mean, right. You see all these commercials for stuff like that on TV. I I have to tell you a great story. So, um, this was the first couples weekend, um, that I did. And, um, there was a woman who had come to the women's retreat first and she brought her husband. They were in their 60s. They'd been married for many years. She had uh, stage four metastatic to her brain mm-hmm. and lungs. And um, she had said, you know, we, we can't talk about this very much because we're Mormons. And there's oh. a lot of taboos oh, there. So the night, the, the night of the, uh, after the first day, we did an optional field trip to a store that sells devices and toys. It's called Good Vibrations here in San Francisco. And this couple walked in and their eyes almost popped out of their heads. And they'd never seen anything like this. So I took them over to the vibrator department <laughs> and, and talked about different, a few different ones and what they're designed for. And they bought three. And they, oh. went, and they, went, back, they went back to their hotel room. And they came in the next day looking like the cat that had swallowed the canary. And so, of course, we wanted the full report. And they had tried them all, and they found one that they really liked. And so they, and, and they discovered new pleasure. And at the end of the workshop, I had a, a feedback form and said, how could we make this better? And the husband wrote, more homework, please. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. God bless you. That's very, very cute. Barbara, we have to take another break. And so if there's more on this subject, I'm sure people will love to stay tuned to that one. So please give us a call at 866-472-5792. We encourage your questions, your comments. Um, Barbara is a delight. I know you'll love talking to her. So give us a call and we'll see you on the other side. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. 
Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Barbara Musser, um, who's the author and founder of Sexy After Cancer. And learning really a lot of great tips um, on how to kind of get our sexy back. So I'm excited to continue this conversation. So, Barbara, let's pick up where we left off there. Okay. So um, in the very beginning, we talked about um, getting blood flow back into the vaginal tissues. And I wanted to share this program that I have come across that – I feel like I personally am the poster girl for this program because I've done it and it really works and I've taught it to a lot of my clients and it's called the Vaginal Renewal Program. So this is about um, so many women can't use any kind of hormonal treatments and with the estrogen suppression especially and the blood not flowing and not lubricating anymore, sex can be painful. Um, Penetration can be painful. And so the Vaginal Renewal Program is a way to um, heal that. And it's basically, it's, it's like any good skincare program. It involves moisturizing and a couple of steps. And, and so what you do is you um, begin by finding a lubricating moisturizer. I mean, a moisturizing lubricant, I'm sorry. So lubricants are um, formulated for a lot of different purposes. And um, this one, we want to begin to put some of the moisture back in the tissue because it's dried out because the blood's not flowing and dry tissue is very delicate and tears easily. So you start with a moisturizing lubricant and you um, read the labels and make sure that it's water-based and that it doesn't have any um, parabens in it, for example, or glycerin or any ingredients like that. You just want one with as many natural ingredients as you can and water-based. And then you, you apply that 
moisturizing lubricant to your vulva, to your perineum, upper inner thighs, all of your external genital tissue. And um, apply it liberally like you would put a moisturizer on your skin. And then what you want to do is you want to massage it in. And so you, you take your thumb and your index finger slightly bent and you just press your thumb against your index finger. So it's like a press and release kind of motion. And you go all around that tissue that you just moisturized. And you want to use enough pressure so that if you're light-skinned, so that the skin turns pink. And if you're darker-skinned, so that you can feel the tingling sensation. You don't want it to hurt. But what that sensation or the color is showing you that the blood is starting to move. And that's what we want. So Mm. as the blood starts to move, then the tissue can start to absorb that moisture. So that's the first part is the external moisturizing and massage. And then the second part is internal moisturizing and massage. So you get um, like a plunger, a syringe type plunger that you can get in the pharmacy. And you fill that with the same moisturizing lubricant and then you insert that into your vagina. Now, I recommend that you do this at night when you're going to be lying down because if you're walking <laughs> around during the day, it could, you know, it could drip out a little. It could be a little messy. I could just picture messy. that. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. So you insert, you insert the lubricant into your vagina and then you get these, um, they're called um, massaging wands. And they, they look kind of like a dildo, but they, mis- they vibrate and they come in different sizes. So you, depending on your own personal situation, if you have vaginal stenosis or atrophy, you might want to start with the smallest size wand. And what you do is you coat the wand with the lubricant and you insert it and you turn it on and you let it vibrate for about five minutes or so. Now, the idea here is not to get you turned on, although it can feel really good. Um, and it's, what it's doing is the internal massage. It's getting the blood starting to flow internally. And that's, mm. and that's what we want because that is how the, the cells start to regenerate themselves. They start to stretch. They be, it becomes, the tissue becomes more flexible and it softens. And that's what we want. And so then when you can comfortably insert whatever size wand you start with and your index finger, then you move up to the next largest size wand. So that at the end, the largest size wand that they have is about the size of an erect penis. And, um, and then after you've done that, so this might take four, six, eight weeks, depending on your condition, then you can try penetration. And most women can have either very reduced pain or pain-free penetration at that point. So wow. it's, it's not only the circumference of the wand, but it's also the length of it because um, some women, it feels like the vagina actually shrinks. So you're stretching it both lengthwise and around the circumference. So this program is um, it's amazing as far as I'm concerned. It, it really, really works. And um, interestingly, I'm just starting to do it again because I'm single and have been for about three years and I'm starting to date and I want to be ready. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me ask you a question, Barbara, because I know if people are listening, they're thinking, well, but how do I buy that stuff without right. the fear of embarrassment walking into an adult shop with my sunglasses and my hat so right. nobody knows it's me? <laughs> right. Right. How, do we, how do we get these things and, and great, great how do question. we overcome the embarrassment and Right. Speak to us about that. question. Okay. So the place where I found this is a company called A Woman's Touch. 
sexuality ah. resources. And okay. they have a brick and mortar store in Wisconsin, but they also have a website. And so they sell all kinds of products and devices and lubricants online. And then they also have a, a section of educational resources. So um, they have recently um, redesigned their wands. They're called Femani wands, F-E-M-A-N-I. And they also, if you look around their website, they have um, a, a link to the Vaginal Renewal Program, and you can download a PDF that oh, describes great. all those things that I just said. So all that information is there on that website. And um, you don't That's have to fabulous. leave your home. You don't have and to they leave. ship in a plain brown wrapper they all ship that. in a plain <laughs> brown wrapper. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and it's the fact that you're talking so candidly about this, I so mm-hmm. appreciate because yeah. again, you know, it's like money, death, and sex are still like these taboo type subjects, and it's right. really unfortunate because it's not like we, you know, we all are going to die, and we all have money issues, and we all have sex or have had <laughs> sex, right? right so, right. I or mean, at least our parents did, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we don't want to think about that. Um, I know, gross, right? <laughs> but it's it's fascinating. I mean, so this vaginal renewal program is this like an everyday thing? How am I going to do it without, without my husband knowing about it? Well, you can do it with your husband. I mean, it's Ooh. a very intimate thing. You can do it on your own, or you can do it with your with your husband. And okay. it's a great way when you're doing it. So first of all, you're learning how to play your instrument. Okay? <laughs> you're learning about what feels good. And if you're doing it with your partner, you're communicating. And it's a great way for him or her to start to feel like, oh, I'm a part of my sweetie's healing here. Mm-hmm. of their renewal. That. It's a very, very intimate thing. And the other thing is while you're doing the vaginal renewal program before you're ready to have any kind of penetration, that's the time to do all these other wonderful things like kissing and touching and talking sexy to each other and communicating about things that you might want to try or what it feels like for you now. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's a wonderful way to include your partner and to open the doors to lots of other communication. And it's important if you don't know um, anatomy or you don't know how to communicate to find somebody like me or um, a sex therapist or a sex educator or come to a workshop or that kind of thing. I mean, I I work with people all over the world um, individually and in couples to just to help with all of this kind of stuff because it's really important. And it is just, important, and it is just, a hard topic to to kind of broach. So it's really wonderful to have somebody like you who's so open and so easy to talk to about it. So that's mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, for example, if you're going to try the vaginal renewal program and you have a partner, I mean, you might try it a little bit on your own first. I mean, it, and it takes five or ten minutes. It doesn't take a long time. Right. Um, but then to say, hey, sweetie, I have discovered this new program that I want to try, and I want to share it with you and and have you try it with me if you're interested because I think it's something that we could share together and really learn a lot together and, wow. and start to build a bridge back to intimacy mm-hmm. and love. Oh, I love that. That was actually well, getting- my question. How do you start that conversation? That's a great way to start it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank fabulous. you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So we're getting right down to the wire here, and we want to make sure you have a couple of minutes to at least talk about your book and where we can get it and all of that. Okay. 
great. Um, well, my website is called sexyaftercancer.com. And um, there's a link there to buy my book. It's available on Amazon. Um, and if you want to buy a copy directly from me and have me sign it, you can do that. You can just send me an email to okay. Barbara at Sexy After Cancer, and we can arrange that. Um, I write a weekly blog called the Sexy Saturdays blog. And Cute. in those blogs, I give tips on different things to try, different things to think about, um, different ways to love yourself and to explore love with your partner. And um, I've been doing that for about three years, so there's a lot of them on there, and there's great stuff on there. Um, And then, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I work with people individually by phone or Skype all over the place. And um, and I, I haven't done a retreat for a couple years, but I'm thinking about doing one or two this year because there's a lot of interest in it. Now, you're, you're in California, right? I'm in California, and probably I'll travel. You know, if you have a group of people you want to pull together, I'm happy to travel. Oh, okay. that's excellent. That's, that's yeah. So uh, in, your, in your book, Sexy After Cancer, is it your story? Is it educational? What, tell us a little bit about that book. What can they expect if they buy that? Okay. Um, it's many things. There's a little bit more about my personal story in there. It's also, it talks about um, some of the inner work to do first. So that mirror practices are in there, for example, and lots of other uh, practices to do. So it's, so it's things to do. It's solutions oriented. And then there's, there's a part in there about anatomy and, and the anatomy of arousal and how that works. And then there's parts about communication and things to do with your partner. And for most of the exercises that are in the book, there are links. Or you can go to my website and you can download an MP3 of me actually leading you through the exercise whatever whatever that might be. So there's lots in there. Oh, okay. That's, that's fabulous. We're getting down to about the last minute or so. Is there anything, parting words that you'd like to leave with our, with our guests that are listening right now? <laughs> I have so one many. One piece of well, advice. What, what is that, <laughs> that communication is the best lubrication? So ah. Oh, I really, love that. Really learn to talk. Um, yeah. Practice talking. Allow yourself to be compassionate with yourself and your partner mm-hmm. and with those awkward moments, but do it. Just start. Yeah. And then for the partners who might be listening, trust is a huge aphrodisiac. So, you know, make yourself trustworthy. So when, you're, when your partner is talking to you about these things, be open, be responsive, and, and be responsible about it. Because mm-hmm. that, that's huge. If there's any sense of rejection or, oh, that sounds silly, let's not do that, that'll, that'll end it pretty quickly, I'm thinking. So, mm-hmm. so be open, you know, as a, as a partner communicating to each other. I think, it's, I think it's fabulous. Barbara, this has been a great conversation today. We are so excited that you joined us. Uh, this, will, this program will be live on our archives in about an hour. So we encourage people, if, if you know someone that should be listening to this show and they haven't had a chance to hear it, Please go to our archives um, when, when we're done with this. And in the meantime, I just want to remind you all to tune in next week because we're going to have a, another great show. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.